0: You're listening to The Feed You Podcast. This is Episode 12.
1: Welcome to The Feed You Podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor.
0: Today's episode is going to dive into the legal aspects of your business just a little bit. I know it can seem a little overwhelming when you're thinking about all the legal ramifications for your business, but I specifically wanted to talk about some upcoming changes that are going to happen that you need to be aware of specifically for your website. I have invited attorney Aiden Durham as my guest today to walk us through GDPR, which has taken place in Europe. And if you aren't compliant with that now, and you're doing business in the European nations, we need to make sure that you get that taken care of quickly, but also how that's being implemented across the United States and probably will be worldwide at some point in the near future the things that you need to have on your website specifically to protect yourself and make your users aware if you're collecting any kind of personal information. Now, people may think, Oh, I'm not collecting anything like a birth date or a social security number or an address. But I want to make you aware that GDPR is specifically targeted to collect any personal information that includes a name and an email address. So if you have an opt-in on your website, you need to listen in and you need to hear what Aiden is telling us because the ramifications for not following suit with what she's telling us are some pretty hefty fines. And I would hate for you to be fined because you're not in compliance. So just for a little background, GDPR was implemented this past summer in the European Union. And what it means in a, you know, quick roundabout way is that any information you are collecting, you have to make the user aware of what you're going to do with that information. Also, you have to protect it. And that means that, you know, we've had some issues with Facebook being hacked and our personal information was at risk. You have to take those same precautions with any information that you're collecting. So what does that mean for your business? Well, there are some specific things that we need to put into place on our website. And in collecting that information, that is what Aiden's going to talk about today. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Aiden. Aiden is, as I said, an attorney in Denver. And she understands entrepreneurship because she is an entrepreneur and knows that balancing big picture objectives and your day-to-day operation can be overwhelming and also time consuming. She works specifically with businesses, small businesses to make it easier for you to do business the right way the first time so that you minimize risk while giving you the tools to grow. She offers a host of personal services, including some automated processes, online tools, and much, much more. She wants to make sure your business gets started on the right path, and once it's up and going, that you stay on track. Please help me welcome Aiden to the show. Please help me welcome to the Feed You Podcast, Aiden Durham. I'm so excited you're here, and I can't wait to introduce you to my audience. So hello, Aiden.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be
0: here. Thanks for coming on. As I mentioned in the intro, Aiden is an attorney and she specializes in branding and I would love for you to tell my audience what you're excited about right now. What's going on with you and your business that just gets you rolling out in the bed in the morning and gets you so excited to jump into the office?
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, something that I'm really excited about right now is I'm, I'm changing kind of my focus of who I work with and I'm um, going to start focusing a lot on serving uh, coaches and consultants and creators which it can be really anything, any any type of professional who creates something either for the general public or for other uh, business-to-business clients. And so in doing this, I'm going to really focus on putting together like kits and DIY templates and things like that that will commonly um, – you know, speak to those types of professionals because they run into a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same questions come up. And a lot of it is very uh, heavy on the intellectual property, like trademark, copyright stuff. So I'm gonna be gearing a lot it towards those um, types of, of issues that come up for a lot of those businesses.
0: Right, that sounds awesome. That's a great way to take your business. I am so impressed by um, how you have differentiated yourself already. Just looking a little bit into what you're doing and how you're standing out and how you really focused in on those people that are new to business, likely came out of a different environment, whether it was corporate or some other type of organization that they worked for someone else. And they've never had to deal with any of the legal uh, repercussions of having your own business. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people like they get started and they might hire a lawyer. I know I hired a lawyer and, um, kind of got me started on articles of incorporation and all of those kinds of things but I think as an entrepreneur we get really overwhelmed. And I know specifically one of the things we want to talk about today is with social media because there are so many rules and regulations and privacy policies and cookies and all these different things we have to be aware of. So for my audience I would love to take you down that road a little bit and have you talk to us about, you know, what do we need to be taking care of? What do you see on the horizon and you know, can we do it ourselves? Do we need to hire a lawyer or is there a cookie cutter solution? What does all that look like?
1: Sure. So um, something that's becoming very big and I imagine it's going to continue becoming really big are these privacy issues. Um, You may have heard this year a big thing that came out was the uh, GDPR over in the European Union having to do with um, really any, any business that collects personal data of European residents. And now some of our states are starting to implement very similar types of regulations. And there was that whole big thing with Facebook and all of their privacy concerns and stuff. So I think um, in that next year, we're going to start to see a lot more of that. And so kind of in preparation for that, now's a great time to look at your current privacy policy on your website. If you don't have one, then now's a good time to to get one in place and start um, um, seeing where there might be some gaps or things that you need to fill in, especially if you do serve people in the European Union or if uh, those people even commonly land on your website. You want to make sure you have some things in your website's terms and conditions and privacy policy that can cover you somewhere there. whether or not you need an attorney to do it, uh, is particularly with this privacy stuff, it's, it's going to be a good idea to at least talk to an attorney about it because um, it can become pretty complicated. You know, some of it's, it's capable of, of being a DIY project, but you at least want to have an attorney kind of looking over and and giving you a little bit of advice here and there.
0: Right. So for those, I mean, I have a lot of people that listen to this show and that are pretty small entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and they may not even know that they need a privacy policy on their website. I mean, when I'm out, I do a lot of research on websites because I do web design and I want to see what's missing, and I find probably 90% of the sites I go to do not have privacy policies in place, nor do they have the announcement of cookies, Mm -hmm. and we won't go too much into cookies, but basically it's a tracking mechanism for um, a website to track where you've been, what you've done, so that they continue to advertise advertise to you once you leave the site, kind of like the Facebook pixel. So, Mm -hmm. speaking to that, like, what is a good starting point for them, like, to get, you know, they're like, oh, I don't, one, I don't know much about GDPR. I mean, I do, but, you know, as a newcomer, they may not know what that is, what the repercussions are, or, um, you know, why it affects them. So can we talk first a little bit about GDPR and what it is likely going to mean to the United States and other countries? Because right now it's in place in Europe but Mm -hmm. I predict, and I'm sure you would agree with me, that it is coming here. Um, You see it in California and some of the other states are already starting to implement it. So one, when do you think it'll come here? And two, what does it mean for businesses?
1: Yeah, so it's definitely, you know, on its way here. Like you said, California and a lot of other states. Um, And uh, I, I would expect probably sometime next year that we're going to start to see a lot more of it here locally um, and and even businesses us businesses in the u.s we still need to be concerned about gdpr because if we hold info that has to do with european citizens then we're subject to those regulations as well um, and in case you're not familiar with what it is uh, in a nutshell the gdpr it says that if you collect or Uh, Keep any personal identifying information or uh, sensitive information about people that you have to abide by certain rules, which um, is like letting... You have to have a process for letting people know what kind of information you have on them, um, how they can remove that information from your database, how you use the information, all of that stuff. And and so it's giving a lot more access and a lot more transparency to consumers about how their personal info is being used and collected. Um, And so that is absolutely going to be reflected in the U.S. in some way. Um, probably you know sooner sooner than we think probably you know sometime next year I would expect mm-hmm. um, and so if, if you've never thought about it before if this is a brand new concept to you that the number the first step that I suggest taking is just kind of do an inventory of what types of information are you collecting from people um, if you have a contact form on your website you're getting their name phone number, email address, presumably, um, and maybe some little blurb about uh, what they're looking for. So the fact that you're collecting their name, phone number, and email address, that's enough to make you, uh, should be enough to make you think about, now what do I need to do? And and writing down any kind of processes or, um, specifics about how you use that information is going to be pretty helpful too because then that that's going to kind of lead you towards what you need to be specifying and talking about in your privacy policy.
0: Right and I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think a lot of people are under the misnomer that if you're not collecting what we would consider um, private information like social security numbers or insurance information or you know those really kind of well-guarded um, pieces of data, credit card numbers, stuff like that, that they don't have to worry about complying with this. But in reality, any data you're collecting from someone that is considered private, so their email address or address is mm-hmm. subject to GDPR.
1: Right. Right. Yep. So it doesn't have to be, you know, that sensitive info, like you said, it doesn't have to be social security numbers, medical history. If you are collecting that information, you have some higher um, hurdles that you have to jump through if you're collecting that real sensitive info, but even uh, just for names and normal information, uh, you're still going to be subject to it.
0: Right. And so just as a side note on that, like I know Google has pretty much implemented across the board that you have to have a, an SSL in place for your website. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of that. I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. But does that go hand-in-hand hand with the collection of this information so that it's being transmitted securely as a measure of protection um, as it's being transferred, and then you have to continue to protect it once you receive it?
1: That, that is kind of part of the process, because specific with GDPR, and I will, I'm guessing – Uh, once more regulations come into place here in the States. Um, Part of that is the transfer of that data and how it's being transferred. You know, we if you are collecting information from your website and that's being sent to your CRM and maybe your email server and all these other places, you're sending that, that information all over the place. And so it is important and part of your requirement to let the population and your users know how that information is being sent. So um, it's not a specific requirement with GDPR that there be an SSL certificate, but certainly it works together in how that information is being handled and processed within and without of your company.
0: Right. So it's a proactive measure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then like you said, Google requires it anyway. So just the fact of wanting to show up on search results, it's a good idea to have that anyway.
0: Right. So you, so the first step is to write down your process and you just, um, added some pieces in there that like I hadn't even thought about that. It's the, all the collection points. I think we forget about it because we set it up or we're setting it up and a lot, there's a lot of confusion about how to set that up anyway, but, um, You're know, you setting that up, but you're not necessarily taking into account, okay, well, the information's going to, say, MailChimp, but it's also going to whoever my landing page um, service provider is, and it's also going to my website, and it's also coming to me, but all of that needs to be documented. So I just wanted to really point that out, that when you're creating this process, it can be kind of in-depth. Yeah. Um, Do you have any recommendations so that you don't miss a step or a process that maybe you walk through with people that... So they're, they're really thinking about all of those pieces of the step. Do you have like a guideline or a process or any kind of um, suggestion or anything to really walk through that process and make sure that it's concise?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, it's helpful to kind of think of your, your client or your customer's journey from the moment they find you or learn of you. What, what, touch points do you have where you might be collecting info from them? Um, And so so if you think of it kind of from your from your prospective customer's point of view and every step of their journey along the way, then that can kind of help for you to notice, okay, this is something I need to be aware of, this this stage, I'm collecting this kind of information. Um, And then it also ties into your own internal processes of this, at this point, we enter them into MailChimp or we enter into this database so um, if you if you start from the beginning and then just kind of go along that timetable that can help to clarify each point where where you might need to be cognizant of what's coming in and where it's going
0: do you have a certain tool that you recommend people use for that or um
1: i don't i'm not i'm not aware of any in particular that doesn't mean that don't that one doesn't exist but none that i'm aware of
0: Okay, I, I have some in mind. Um, maybe I'll add that on to the end. So look for that in the show notes. I'm gonna come up with a, a few resources for everybody to kind of know how to map that out, okay. um, just so we're not wasting time on that right now, um, not wasting Aiden's time. Um, so as we're going through, and we know this is coming, and I don't know if it'll be called GDPR in the United States or something else, what do you foresee is gonna be the timeline for implementation where everybody has to meet that standard and has to be compliant, like what happened in the UK? Like it seemed like they had maybe 90 to 120 days to become compliant. Do you foresee that being the same here or do you think we'll have a little bit more time, a little less time?
1: Well, I I think it's going to be a bit harder to predict because most likely these are going to be state by state regulations. So um, each state is going to have a different way of implementing it and different um, actual regulations. But um, I I would imagine there would be some some decent amount of buffer to allow everybody to prepare for it. Um, Most likely at least a few months that that we would get some kind of heads up. Um, part of the problem with GDPR, in particular, it was that the there was there's still not a whole lot of information on the specifics of here's how you comply. We know what we're supposed to do, but the actual here's how you do it uh, wasn't really set out. And so there was some kind of waiting time to see what is everybody else doing um, that, that's making them in compliance. And, and I think there's still a lot of trial and error and kind of gray area. That's, that's yet to be determined. And so I imagine that's going to be pretty similar when it's implemented here in the US, that um, we're not gonna have a strict deadline of the specific things, but it's gonna be more of a, of a gray area and some wiggle room in there in, in particular with, with implementing whatever requirements they're gonna have on us.
0: Right? Do you eventually see that, foresee that there will be a um, federal mandate? rather than state by state, or do you think it'll stay state by state?
1: I, I think it will most likely stay a, a state issue. Yeah.
0: Okay, so one thing we didn't talk about that I think is really important is, you know, what are the repercussions of not being GDPR compliant? Like, what, what can happen if you don't meet these criteria, one, for Europe now, and two, uh, upcoming? Um, you know, what, what are you in danger of, as a small business, of not being compliant?
1: Well, initially fines. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I know GDPR carries a hefty fine with it, um, somewhere, somewhere in I think like the millions or or very high thousands of dollars at least. So absolutely, there's going to be big fines tacked onto it if you're if you're not compliant with it. But then above that, um, there will be added risk of of. Um, privacy issues that come out. If if your uh, database or your server is hacked, or if there's a security breach or something, the fact that you didn't take whatever precautions or steps that were suggested or required, that's going to increase your liability now if there is a security breach in the future.
0: Okay, so let's just play devil's advocate for a minute. And Um, assume that the security breach is not within our control, like say MailChimp gets hacked. Mm -hmm. Are they the ones that have to then, I'm just trying to understand. So are they the ones that would then be fined because it was their database that got hacked? Or how are we responsible for that? Because it's our information they're storing, but we really didn't have any control over whether or not that was breached.
1: Mm-hmm. So GDPR separates the, the collector of information from the the holder of information. So as the business, you're the one collecting it, but then MailChimp is the one storing it. Um, but we as the collectors have a responsibility and a duty to make sure that any other programs or services we are using are also in compliance with their requirements under GDPR. Um, so certainly in that instance, MailChimp would have some liability. But then if if MailChimp's um, service wasn't compliant with GDPR and we should have known about that by reading their terms and conditions or something. And if we miss something, then we're responsible and liable for that as well. If we select a service or or an application that doesn't have their proper policy procedures in place.
0: Right. Okay. Great. Thank you for clarifying that. Um so getting back to you, so we've written down our process and do you have recommendations for that collection process right now from what you've seen, like what we need to be putting in place as somebody that's collecting, just say name and email address from a opt-in form on our website? Is there something that we can be doing up front to proactively um, ensure that people know they're being, that we're collecting their information?
1: Sure. So uh, definitely that that cookies notice that you mentioned, that's a big part of it. That doesn't necessarily collect personal information, but you want to make sure if, if you have cookies enabled on your website that there's uh, an opt-in for that. Um, and another really easy step you can do is start writing that down. Make your own privacy policy on your website. It doesn't have to be written by a lawyer. It doesn't have to read like it's written by a lawyer. If you just write down, here's the info I collect from you. Here's what I do with it. I I use it to send you newsletters. I use it to send you updates of uh, my products or my services. I don't sell it to anybody. I might share it with my other service providers. Just be forthcoming with your website visitors and with your customers about the information you're collecting and what you're doing with it. Um, And you can even go so far as to say, here's how I store it. I keep it in my CRM and in my newsletter database, Um, because that's all part of uh, most likely going to be your requirements under any future privacy regulations is that disclosure. So if you start making those disclosures now, you'll be ahead of the game once any regulations are implemented.
0: Awesome. Great tips. So let's move into another direction, which is something else that shows up a lot on websites is terms and conditions. Do you Mm want to just give us a brief overview of, of terms and conditions, why we need them and what should be contained in there?
1: Yeah, so terms and conditions are essentially like a service agreement for your website. If you think of your website as an additional service that you provide to your customers, um, it depends on the function of your website, but they're going there and they're getting something out of it, whether it's information from your blog or information from your service or about your services. And so um, that terms and conditions sets forth the agreement between you and the visitor of what they're expected to do when they're on your site. Um, and again, it depends on what you use your site for. If you're just, you know, if it's if it's just more of an informational website where you're advertising your services and uh, blog and that kind of thing, then you typically don't need to go really in depth with the terms and conditions. It can be things like, um, you know, you're not allowed to post uh, profanity in the comments of my blog section. If you do, I reserve the right to remove it, that kind of thing. Um, There's also usually information about um, the, the images and the photos that appear on your website, if anyone has a copyright claim, Regarding the images. Here's how you contacted me Uh, That kind of stuff and then certainly if you're in a profession where you're consulting or if you're giving people advice or um, Any kind of real substantive information on your website, then it's a good idea to have a little bit of a disclaimer saying uh, This isn't you know in my case. I say this isn't legal advice just because you're reading this on my website I'm not giving you legal advice and the same thing goes for a lot of other professions just don't rely on this. It's just general information and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, those are just some of the basics, but it's really very dependent on on your specific business and the function of your website.
0: Awesome. Great clarity. And I think people need to be aware of that as well. What else do we need to be thinking about, including on our website or in our um, collateral or when we're speaking or anything like that? Is there anything else that we need to be thinking about legally?
1: Um, well, certainly one, one thing that I see happen pretty often and going back to talking about, uh, pictures and images is improperly using, um, photos or somebody else's work, whether it's on your website or your other marketing collateral or posting on social media. Um, the, the, the number one rule is, is if it's not yours, if you didn't, Create it, if you didn't take the picture yourself, then you need permission to use it, whether it's in the form of a license, or if it's under a creative commons, which means, you know, generally that you can use it without an, a, a purchased license, then you want to make sure you have that. Um, and that goes pretty much across the board for websites, marketing, social media posts, anything that you're using to advertise or promote your business.
0: So don't hop on Google and just pull <laughs> down an image and put it on your website.
1: Exactly, Yep. Yeah. No right-clicking and saving uh, the image. That's a real quick and easy way to get a cease and desist letter from one of the big, you know, image companies.
0: Right, a Fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, a Fine, which is uh, uh, notoriously difficult to get out of those two.
0: Correct, and they can be pretty expensive. I had previous... Um, before they were my clients who had done that exact thing and they were shocked and unhappy. (laughs) Yeah. They got that.
1: Yeah. Never a fun day when you get one of those.
0: Awesome. Now I did have one more question. So if you're out, I know a lot of people, especially coaches and people like that, that are speaking, will hand out those little pieces of paper and say, Hey, sign up for my newsletter sign up for, um, whatever document um, that I'm handing out as a, as a, worksheet or whatever, and then they go back and put that into their database. Would that still be part of GDPR? And is there a better way to do that? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of paper anyway, but for the people that are old school and they collect those little forms, that information is still proprietary and sensitive. So how do you recommend handling that when you're in a live environment?
1: Yep. So um, you're right. That's all still going to be subject to those privates, privacy regulations. Um, and so there, you know, I I, I like having uh, people kind of check the box on on those forms. Whether it's can I send you my newsletter, yes or no. Um, can I use your information for this? Can I send you more info on this product or this service? Yes or no? So instead of just a blanket, give me your information, tell them a little bit what you're going to do with it and get their consent to it. It may not necessarily be required, but it's certainly not going to hurt.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of this information, all this legal advice and the scoop on what we need to have out there. Um, I like to end our conversation with just some kind of fun. I call them my coffee date questions sure. just so people can kind of know a little bit more about Aiden and um, to know that you're not just all business suits and legal <laughs> all the time and that you, uh, you do have a fun personality and uh, have some fun, some fun um, stuff that you're into as well. So, uh, let's start with, do you have a favorite business book that you would recommend to listeners?
1: Oh, favorite business book. Um, I, I really like The One Thing. Have you heard of that? Yep, yeah, that's, that's a good one. I, I like how that uh, uh, encourages you to kind of focus on just accomplishing, you know, one thing. It, right. it, it helps for us who are a little scatterbrained or, you know, easily overwhelmed.
0: It's a great book, and it's a great book to reread. Yes, absolutely. Uh, More fun, Batman or Superman?
1: Oh, I guess Batman. I'm really not a a comic person, though. Mm -hmm. I could
0: could go either way. (laughs) Okay, what was the last thing that you learned or taught yourself?
1: Um, The last thing that I learned... Taught myself. Oh, so I took a I took a webinar a couple of days ago um, from uh, an attorney in Georgia that I uh, follow and that I I kind of watch her because she does some really cool innovative things. And she did a webinar about kind of based on branding and um, how to make sure your your branding is incorporated into everything you do. Um, and the way that it was described was tell a story about. Um, about your ideal client or, or your target, you know, favorite type of client, tell their story and their backstory. And that learning kind of that technique of, of telling a story of your ideal client was very interesting and something that I thought was really cool, because it really helps you in, in narrowing down and focusing on who you're marketing to and who your branding is supposed to appeal to.
0: Awesome, I agree. I do that all the time with people. <laughs> so, thank you. You could preach that all day long from the mountaintops, right? <laughs> um, so last one, John or Joan Cusack? Uh,
1: Joan Cusack, I love Joan, I like her a lot. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Aiden. I would love for my people to be able to connect with you. So will you tell us the best places to find you online and in real life?
1: Absolutely, so you can find me on my website. It's 180 lawcocom um, You can also connect with me on uh, Instagram and Twitter. My handle on Instagram is all up in business and then Twitter is underscore all up in biz um, and then I'm all over YouTube as well. If you uh, go to youtube.com forward/all up in biz, you'll see me all over there too.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us and giving us the ins and outs of the legal world and what we need to be aware of. And I do hope that you'll come back as this all comes down the pike and give us your words of wisdom and the latest updates.
1: Absolutely. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey there. It's Elisa again. I thought it would be really helpful for you all to have a res- a resource of some sort to help you write your own terms and conditions because they're so very important. So I went ahead and created a resource for you. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to download that by going to elisaconnor.com forward slash zero one two download the zero one two is for the 12th episode which is today's and then just download so you can find that terms and conditions resource guide that's going to help you create those terms and conditions for your own website your own landing pages and everywhere else you would need to have your terms and conditions that we talked about in this episode and again you can find that at alisaconnor.com forward slash zero one two download thanks so much for listening i'll see you next week podcasts at www.alisaconnor.com forward slash podcast.